0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning, Pastor. Happy Easter. Years ago, I was at another church in San Antonio, Texas, and I was on staff. I walked up to a family that was visiting the church, and I said, Happy Easter. And the wife of the family said back to me, She said, We don't say Easter, we say Resurrection Sunday. And I thought, if I wasn't someone on staff, if I was a new believer or maybe not even saved yet, and somebody's response to me of saying, Happy Easter was that, then I probably would have just left. I probably would have just walked out. And I pray that as a church, Poetry Baptist Church, one of our core values being extreme hospitality, is that when people talk to us, that our response isn't about theological correctness on the spot, but it's about hospitality. It's about loving people. So this morning we're going to pray together and we are going to dive into God's Word and we're going to ask that He would do a miracle this morning. And one of our other core values is expectancy, is that we pray expectant prayers because we serve and love an Almighty God and we believe that He will answer them. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this morning, a day in which we celebrate your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who's risen from the tomb. The death couldn't keep Him down, the spotless, perfect Lamb, the one who went to the cross and paid the price for our sins, all of us who are sheep who have gone astray. And that's where we're left, God, and we understand that this morning, those of us who have been born again by the Spirit, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb through the cross, and have entered into eternal life, eternal relationship, together with You, Lord. And so we ask this morning that you would do a divine and supernatural work. That you would come into this place and maybe someone here this morning who's heard the gospel preached in the past and maybe has had a superficial yet unreal faith that you would press upon their hearts and they would realize it's not about an intellectual transaction, but it's one of the heart. Exchanging that heart of stone for a new one of flesh born of spirit. So we pray that this morning. We ask God that you would do a miracle. That's why we're here. Fill our hearts and our lives to love and serve only you and that we would go forth from this place to love and serve others and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ who is risen. Amen. We are in the gospel of Matthew. If you have a Bible with you and you want to turn there, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We've been in the gospel of Matthew for quite some time. We're going through what we call our equip series. Some of you have really begun to understand that Matthew's gospel is all about disciples being equipped for the work of ministry. See, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he left us behind. That even when we're redeemed, when we're saved, we don't immediately get raptured up to heaven. That those people who truly believe that Jesus is the risen Savior, that we give up everything else in life and pursue that goal. To share and spread the good news of the gospel as his followers and disciples to the ends of the earth. Someone did it for us, and now we want to do it for others. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. After the sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven rolled the stone away, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards trembled in fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Fear not. I know that you seek Jesus, the one who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they hurried away from the tomb in fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice! They came to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Fear not, said Jesus. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Matthew 28 1 10. We read a scripture verse this morning. It's one that I love because it does such an incredible job of summarizing scripture. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. That's Psalm 56.3. I had it embroidered on my son Connor's pillow so that every night when he goes to bed that he can read that scripture. And whether he's afraid of the dark or afraid of anything else that may come in his life, he could read that scripture and the truth of who God is. Almighty, sovereign creator, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Fear not, the angel said it, Jesus said it, but I wonder, I wonder... See the problem is, is that as human beings, we have a hard time believing Jesus. We have a really hard time believing Jesus. People in the kingdom act like people of the kingdom, but do we act that way? As disciples, as followers, as people who walk around, maybe with fish on the back of our cars, maybe even with a cross in our front yard, saying He is risen. But do we really live that way? Really? In the Gospel of Matthew series, over and over again, I've said it and I'll say it again as we keep going through it, people in the kingdom act like people of the kingdom. Jesus called those first men... Peter and his brother Andrew, James and John, he called them those fishermen. And he spoke in a language that they could understand. He said, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come, I'm going to give you eternal salvation. I want you to enjoy it. Keep it for yourself. Hold on to it. I want you to believe in the prosperity gospel that if you believe in me, that everything in your life is going to come up roses. You're going to get that new BMW you've been thinking about. You're going to get all A's in school and you don't even have to work for it. If you put a few dollars in the basket, then it's going to come back to you tenfold. Lie, lie, and lie. But see, we want to believe it. We want to believe the wrong stuff and we don't believe the right stuff. We have a hard time believing Jesus. Adam and Eve had a hard time believing in God that the consequences of eating the fruit would really mean death. And some of us today still walk around and say, well, they didn't really die, right? I mean, they still walked around. They had kids. They lived their lives. They didn't really die. That's because what we've done As we've redefined what it means to live and what it means to die. See, if you have a fractured relationship with God because of sin, you are dead. Make no mistake about it. See, that's the need of all human beings. We come into this world separated from God, utterly, helplessly, hopelessly depraved. Abraham didn't really believe God. certain moments in his life... When God asked him to put his son Isaac up on the altar, he did it. But before that, he asked God, how will I really know that you're going to do all the things that you said? We have a hard time believing Jesus. Moses had a hard time believing God. When God said, go back and tell the Israelites, I am who I am, Yahweh, that was the name that I will be known for for all generations. And Moses stood there and he said, oh, God, I'm not really sure I can do it by myself. He wouldn't have asked him if he didn't think he could do it. And the reality is, is that he couldn't do it by himself. But if you have faith in God, then you can do all things. The 12 tribes They had a problem believing in God. God said, go into Canaan and take hold of the inheritance that I've given you. But see, the reality was, is it wasn't for them. And they said, golly, there's these really big guys that they look like giants and we look like grasshoppers compared to them. We have a hard time believing in God. Israel had a hard time believing that they were set apart. Holy, a kingdom of priests. And so what they did is they started adopting the cultures and the beliefs of all the nations around them. We have a hard time believing. See, it's not just in the Old Testament though, right? See, we come to the New Testament and all of the religious leaders, the guys that were the PhDs, the ivory tower scholars... They were all sitting around talking about all kinds of random things, dietary food restrictions, and Jesus was being born in a manger just as Scripture said. And then the people who came to visit Jesus were magi, and as Scripture tells us, it took them two years to come to worship Him. And then they turned around, and then they went back home. Nicodemus had a problem believing in God. Jesus told him that he had to be born again. Nicodemus couldn't wrap his brain around that. The disciples had a problem believing in Jesus when he said that he had to die. But then he would rise again. The first time he said it in Matthew's gospel, Peter took offense to it. And he walked up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, not on my watch. That's in the original Greek, in case you were wondering. Not on my watch, Jesus, never. You can't die. You're our king. You're the Messiah. You're the one who's supposed to deliver us from Rome, make everything come up roses. But they didn't understand the reality that if he didn't go to the cross and die for our sins, it wouldn't matter what Jesus did. We'd all be hopelessly, helplessly lost for all eternity. But we have a hard time believing Jesus. The second time Jesus said it, the disciples were filled with grief, but they still didn't believe it. The third time Jesus said it in Matthew's Gospel, James and John's mom came up and said, Jesus, make my sons great. Let them sit on your right and your left. Because that's what you want your mom to do, right? Embarrass you in front of Jesus. Mom, did you really say that? See, we don't really believe Jesus. So when the angel came and the angel said, Fear not, He is risen. I wonder, do we really believe it? I wonder if we really believe it because we walk around with this thing called sin that fills us full of expectations and entitlement. See, as a people, I don't care if you're a sinner or a believer, we still have them. Sin still clings to us. I shared with a friend of mine a couple of weeks back. We were having lunch together and I said, I can't wait to get to heaven. I really can't wait to think that when we enter into glory that there's never going to be another selfish thought. That all of my sin is going to be burned away. That I don't have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ because that's going to be the default. I'm never ever going to sin again. But we want to fast forward right there. But Jesus has left us here with a ministry and a mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we say, Jesus, I believe you're risen, but I'm really too busy for you and all of that. Fear not in the story of David and Goliath, we have a bunch of even Christian pastors and writers that have published books that have warped the message of David versus Goliath and said it's about you facing your giants. And it's not! It was about David, a shepherd boy who had such an intimate relationship with God that he was willing to stand in front of the one who would oppose Israel's armies and he would say, you're in trouble now, Goliath. You're in trouble now, see, because I represent the king of heaven and earth. And you may be eight feet tall and you may have a big spear and fancy armor, but I'm standing on the side of God Almighty. And you can say, oh, silly boy, you come at me with sticks and stones. But the reality is, is Goliath should have been the one trembling. See, the reality is, is that David, we want to fast forward to the victory. And we forget that David was anointed and appointed as king. But he was still humble. And when his dad said, son... I want you to go to the battlefront, and I want you to deliver lunch to your brothers. David said, yes, sir. Yes, Papa. I'm going to do it because I love you, and I love my brothers. But see, we delete that part out, and we just want to get to the end because it's about me. It's about my stuff, about facing my giants. And God's going to give me victory, right? Fear not. He is risen. We want to fast forward to that part. See, we're just like the crowd that last week when we celebrated Palm Sunday, that they were crying out, Hosanna, save now. And my suspicion is that it was a demand that they were saying to Jesus, save now, vending machine God. We put in our stuff. I put in my nickel and now you perform. Hosanna. Hosanna. Grant us success over Rome, over the religious elite, over our political foes, over sickness and death, all of those things. But we don't really want to recognize you as Messiah. The miracle addicts, the golf clappers, they all soon disappeared. See, when we find out that Jesus isn't going to oust Rome, He's not going to support our cause. He's not going to put on a magic show for us. He's not going to be the monkey that performs the way we want him to, when we want him to. He's not going to heal our loved ones of the cancer that we've been praying for. He's not going to reconcile our marriage. We say, you know what, Jesus? If associating with you doesn't mean that I get what I want when I want it, I'm done. As it turns out that if Jesus never did a single thing for us, if he never went to the cross, he would still be worthy of all glory and honor and worship and praise. Fear not. See, there's a warning that comes with it. Fear not. It's not for all of us. It's for those who produce fruit in keeping with repentance. See, we like to cut and paste our own faith. Did y'all realize that? We like to take the parts of the Bible that we like. Oh, I like that part of the Bible. Well, what about this part over here that says we're supposed to be obedient? That we're supposed to consider others as more important than ourselves? That we're supposed to love God and love others. Fear not, he is risen. We want to fast forward. In Matthew 4, Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In Matthew 7, there were people that came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do miracles and really cool stuff? And Jesus says, away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. See, those are the people that want to fast forward to the end, to the good stuff. The people who want to say, "Hosanna," the people who want to say, "He is risen!" on Easter, but then tomorrow it just goes back to same old, same old. The angel and Jesus weren't talking to everyone when he said, "Fear not." I read this for the children, John 15:8. See, if you want to know what it really means to look like to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower, someone who truly is a Christian, John 15, 8, it reads, This is to my Father's glory that you produce much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. There are many churches out there that would say, we don't really have to do anything, because then it would be a works-based salvation and that is a lie from the pit of hell see when paul said examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith what he was saying is if there's no fruit that's being produced in your lives you can't be a disciple see dead trees bad trees don't produce good fruit and so when we examine our lives and we look at it and if we're really honest if we're really honest with ourselves, looking in the mirror and saying, Do I really believe in Jesus? It's not about a profession of faith that you made in youth camp. It's not about weeping in tears and feeling bad about your sin. It's not about any of that. It's about an eternal, almighty transaction that happens with God. That's what it's about. And see, our lives are forever transformed when that happens. It's kind of like entering into glory into heaven. Sin still kind of clings on to us, but a lot of that stuff is burned away. It says to Ananias and Paul that when he was blessed with the gift of faith, that something like scales fell from his eyes. Has that happened to you? See, we can pretend and we can act like Easter is this amazing, wonderful thing. Fear not! But we can't walk around saying He is risen when He hasn't been risen in your life. There's your warning. I really think the gospel, that Bibles should have a warning label on the front of them. This may not apply to you. I know some people in here would take offense to that and say it applies to everyone. No, it's for everyone. But unless you surrender your life, unless there's that eternal, transcendent transaction of faith that comes from God, it tells us in Ephesians, not by works so that no one can boast, right? But then we like to think that it is from works. I've been a good person. I measure up. I deserve it. Entitlement. Entitlement entitlement see with our lives and not just our lips it's for those who have a life-giving encounter with the lord for those who have been resurrected from sin and shame and demons see there were two women says in the beginning of matthew 28 after the sabbath as the first day of the week was dawning mary magdalene and the other mary went to view the tomb why those two Where were all of the guys, the men? Where was Peter, who was so bold in his faith, Jesus, not on my watch? Where were the men, the fishermen, the leathered skin, calloused hands, men, that when Jesus was arrested, where'd they all go? And the sad reality is that's still true today, that there's more women of faith in the church than there are men Men look at church and say, I don't really need that. I've got a job. I'll go with the wife from time to time to appease her, to make her happy. And the same thing happened here, but why those two women? See, Mary Magdalene had been delivered from seven demons. And we say, well, that's ridiculous. Demons don't really exist. They're not really a thing. Remember what I said just a few moments ago? We don't really believe Jesus. We don't really believe the Bible. I think if demons were present today that people would say, Aha! Aha! Satan really is a thing. And so I think what Satan has done is says, Hey guys, why don't you all take a timeout? Because all you all have to do is sit on the bench and everybody's going to say, I don't really exist. And then I get to twist and warp their lies. I get to pose as an angel of light instead of the dark, foul demons of myth. Mary Magdalene, seven demons. And the other Mary, how would you like for that to be your designation in Scripture? The other Kevin. The other Mary, the one who saw her brother Lazarus raised from the dead. See, when you have an encounter with the risen Lord, with the real Jesus, we don't have to fake it. We don't have to play church on Sundays. We don't have to be the golf clapping Hosanna crowd. We get to be the people who are the church. We get to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. These women walked into a meat grinder. Roman soldiers standing there guarding his tomb. And we say, so what? There's a lot of things that could have gone sideways. But we don't worry about that because it wasn't us. See, they really believed. And it wasn't simply with their lips. It was with their lives. He is risen. So when the angel said, fear not, it was real for them. So my question for you is, Is he risen in your life? If you came into this place today expecting a flowery gospel presentation, maybe not one at all. Maybe you expected a feel-good message that everything's okay, that everything's going to be fine, that just keep on keeping on. And since Jesus is alive, you don't have to change anything and you're going to be in heaven forever. Fear not. That's a lie. See, He is risen. There's no doubt about that. Scripture tells us the tomb was empty. But the question is, is He risen in your life? When He is, there's not a guard. There's not an earthquake. Not an angel or a demon. There's no government policy or law. There's not any weapon that has been forged or that ever will be that will stop us. Ever. Jesus said that He would build His church on our faith, on the rock, on the foundation, and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Does Satan have anything to worry about regarding you? I wonder. Is He risen in your life? Can you confidently say He's risen? See, if you can't, The words, fear not, don't apply to you. There's a universal need. Because of our rebellion in the Garden of Eden, all of us are separated from God, that's death. And the second death is an eternal lake of fire. Revelation warns us about that. Many of us don't take it seriously. Just like we don't take Jesus' incarnation seriously, we don't take his baptism seriously, We don't take his death seriously, and we don't take his resurrection or ascension seriously, and we don't take his return seriously. Jesus said that he's coming back again, not to bear sin, but to come for those who are waiting for him. Are you waiting? Let's pray together. Father God, again, on this Easter Sunday this Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate what your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, did. Stepping down from His heavenly throne, allowing Himself to be born in a filthy food trough, a manger, living His sinless, perfect life, resolutely setting His face to Jerusalem, going to the cross, amid the mockers, the scoffing, the scourging, the beating, allowing himself to be hoisted up, to be poured out and spent, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. It's true, Lord Jesus, you are risen, but only those who have placed their trust in you can hear those words, fear not, and live that way. Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Can you say you're not afraid? Can you say that if Jesus comes today, or if today is the last day of your life, that you know where you're going to be? Easter is about the resurrection. It's about placing your trust our risen King if you haven't done that before there's an opportunity for you right now in this time of invitation I'd ask you to come forward you can simply come up to me and say pastor he is risen and I'll know what you're talking about maybe some of you just want to come up here and pray and say thank you thank you Jesus for going to the cross thank you that I do not have to have fear ruling and governing my life any longer because you are risen come now There's no shame in responding to the gospel. The shame is in not responding. So, if the Holy Spirit is pressing upon you to respond today, whatever that looks like, whether it's surrendering your life, whether it's making a commitment to serve the Lord again, maybe you've strayed. Maybe you've gotten away from your faith. Maybe you stopped being a fisher of men. Maybe you want to rededicate your life and your ministry. Now's the time, come now. to call an audible here. John, could you bring back up that uh, the presentation there and, and just go ahead and there you go. Here's a scripture verse that I want to share with you all. This is where we're going to end up and finish today. This is from First Corinthians fifteen, fourteen.